Um, before I begin this evening, I, I did want to take a minute to um, thank the eldership and all of you as a congregation. Um, if I don't get to say goodbye to you this afternoon, I want you to know I appreciate you. I can't put a pen in a pocket either, apparently. I, I just want to tell you how much we appreciate you all, not just for this weekend, but for all that you do for our family and, and for, I know, not just my family, but a lot of other evangelists' family and the care and concern y'all have, have shown towards us. We just, we appreciate you very much. And, um, and God bless you for what you do in the kingdom. Uh, we thank you for your friendship and, and for your kindness and ask for your continued prayers on what we do for wisdom and opportunity and things like that. And know that you'll be in our prayers as well, um, even though we're far away. If you need something, give us a call. I do hope that you've enjoyed the weekend. We've enjoyed it very much. I've enjoyed the, the time getting to, to reacquaint with uh, so many of you. And if we hadn't had as much time together, I'm sorry. Hopefully, there'll be another occasion to be able to do that at some point. And, uh, and we just thank you very much. So I hope the weekend has been lift, uplifting for you because it certainly has for me and, and my wife and kiddos. So God bless you. As we, we end up this, this short meeting this week in and as we thought about commitment, I don't know if any series, however simple this series may be, would be complete without talking about being committed to good works for Christ. Whenever we're discussing um, a Christian in general, the, the, uh, the essential makeup of who a Christian is is what he or she does for the Lord in return for the salvation that we're granted. In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 8, he says, For by grace you are saved through faith, that not of works, lest any man should boast. He said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. As we talk about good works, I just want to establish, I know you will probably understand this, and you feel this way and see this in the scriptures, but... We know that we can't earn salvation. Salvation is beyond our grasp. It's beyond whatever money we can raise. It's beyond any good we can do. That we're not living a life where I'm putting all the good that I do on a scale on the right side. The right side. Well, yours, this is your right side. On either side of the scale, we can't put good on one side and expect for it to outweigh all the bad that we do. We just won't win that way. That's not how salvation is given. That's not how it is won. Salvation is won simply because God decides to grant it. And as God has granted you and I grace after the obedience by faith in his gospel, by being washed in his blood, by being cleansed from our sins through the washing of water by the word, we are grateful to him for all that he has done. But that doesn't mean that the labor ends right there. And that doesn't mean that the work stops. In fact, that new creature that God has created right then is like an inventor. Like an inventor sits down and he has an intended function in mind for a task that he wants a new tool or invention to do. That's what he's done for you and I. You think about these inventors and when they create something. The cell phone. You know, I, I'll be honest. It, it, it blows my mind how a cell phone works. I it just... My mind doesn't go there, but I know what a guy thought one day had to have been. You know what? Well, well I guess you go back before that. You know what? It'd be nice if I could talk to somebody who I wasn't in the same room with, who's across the country, and, and that's where you got the, the cell phones where, I mean, I don't know what the first one looked like, but I remember in, um, you know, those holiday movies the, where uh, they had the, was it It's a Beautiful Life, Jimmy Stewart? 
And they'd have the phone where they'd have one end right here and one end up to their ear. Hello, hello, and tap, tap, tap. Are you still there type deal? Somebody sat down and they said, I want to be able to talk to somebody who's not here. And then they made that. And, and the phone did what they wanted to do. And they said, you know what? I want to take it a little bit further. I want not only to talk to somebody who's not here, but I want to talk to somebody without being tied to a cord. And so they, they invented that. And, and as God or as God forgave you of your sins, and every person he's forgiven of their sins, as an inventor, he sat down and he destroyed the old creature that you were, and then he began making you anew if you'll allow him. And the intention that God had in his mind, the necessity that he wanted filled as he created you anew, was for the purpose of doing good works. Now you think about that. If we truly are the Lord's and if he truly is our creator and master as a Christian, then the things that we do in life will dictate whether we actually are his or not. If I do good works, then I am made by God. If I'm not, then I'm an invention that isn't made by him because all that he has made, all that he has created is for good works. Is for us to do good works. So the question to you and I this night, are we actually the creation of God? Can we see that we're the creation of God by the way that we're working and laboring in his kingdom? Are we committed to being the invention of God? Now, it's not that we just can do a good work here or do a good work there, but he wants us to be excited that you can force people to do a lot of things. Children are that way. As a parent, you can tell a child, you're going to do this. And and it may take some work, but eventually you will get them to do what you told them to do more often than not. But that's not the case with God. With you and I, his creation in Jesus, he doesn't want to have to force our head down to the grindstone and just keep our nose pressed down as we plod along, slowly doing things here and there that he makes us do because we have to. He wants us to be zealous of it. He says in Timothy or Titus 2 and verse 14, Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from iniquity, not just to redeem us from iniquity and to purify himself at peculiar people, zealous of good works. And we know to be zealous, I mean redundant somewhat, that we're burning in zeal, or that we're most eagerly desirous of or vehemently, vehemently contending for. And they talk about athletes and people like that as people who are dedicated, who are committed to their craft. And, and even in the off-seasons, they're committed to their craft. And, and you and I as Christians, that's, he's talking about that type of commitment. As if we're not people who do what we do because that's what we have to do, or, well, that's what Christians do, so we do it. He's talking about people who desire to do. And you think about thankful people, what thankful people, really, truly thankful people, who someone has done something good for them, they want to do in return. Now, I can never pay back God for what he's given to me. It's just, it's not possible. But we can desire to give back to him. That Romans 12 and 1 sacrifice, a living sacrifice. So as Christians, it's not that just we're made to good works, we need to have that desire and that zeal to go out and be consistently active. And sometimes, I don't know, as humans, sometimes we're a little too satisfied with our good works. You know, people do a good thing every now and then, and they've got to get on the Facebook, and, and they've got to tell everybody about that good thing that they did. And we could go into that whole avenue. We could talk a whole lot about the braggadocious aspect that we shouldn't be bragging, that we need to do our, our work so that our left hand does see, doesn't see what our right hand's doing. We're not going to go that direction. I, I assume you know all of that. You, may, you know all of this, but we're just not going to go that direction today. 
But I'll tell you that Christians aren't satisfied with a few good works. Now, we might start with a few good works as we grow as this new creation inside of Christ, but what he desires from us is not just some good works, not just being zealous for him occasionally, but consistently doing good and growing in what we do. In John 15 and 8, he said, Here it is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. I don't know, I got these fruit trees. It's a weird, I don't know if it's an native thing or what. As long as I can remember, as far back as I can remember, my dad, every time we'd move, which was often, we'd plant a new orchard. Everywhere we went, plums, apricots, peaches, apple trees, you know, a whole variety of different things. And that is something that, that I have realized a while back. I don't know why I do this, but I do this probably because I grew up doing this. I plant orchards wherever I've moved, which has been pretty regularly since I've been an adult. And I, I plant orchards too. Hadn't got one planted at the new place we're at now. Probably need to get on that this fall. Um, but at the last place we were at, one of the first things as I did is I looked out in the yard. Someone had already generously started that orchard for me years and years before. Had a couple mature apple trees out there. Well, one day one of the old apple trees, it, it died. And so I needed some more to replace it, to pollinate the other one. So I thought, well, while I'm doing that, I'll plant some more fruit trees. So I planted a peach tree. And I planted a, a plum tree. Well, three plum trees, turns out. And, and some more apple trees. And I plant all this fruit. The last year we were there, I got my first uh, fruit on that tree. You know? And, and I remember being very excited because early in the year, I didn't realize it had any fruit on it. I knew I was a couple years into the growth on it, but before they started turning ripe, they blended with the leaves. But eventually, one day, as I, I went down there and I was watering the trees, I noticed there were these little purple fruits on the plum tree. And all I found was seven. All I found was seven. But I was very excited to find, and they were puny little pieces of fruit, too. I mean, they weren't big, nice, juicy plums, but they were puny little pieces of fruit. But I was excited because that was the first time that my fruit tree had ever produced fruit. And I remember coming in going, Ellen, there's fruit on the tree, you know, and, and very excited. And she said, how much? And I said, well, there's like seven. And she's like, oh, oh, that's nice, you know. And but I was excited. That tree was doing exactly what it was supposed to do. I didn't expect a, a bumper crop the first year, but I did expect more the next year. That was good for how old that tree was, that the amount of fruit that it produced, but I would have been satisfied with that if it had done seven next year. Now, we got 14 or 20 or whatever, we're doing a little bit better. And that's what Jesus expects from you and I whenever he gives us the second lease on life. And whenever he starts creating us so that we can now fulfill his function of doing good works in this world and shining his light, we may start off where we're not producing as much fruit, but we can grow and we should bear much fruit, not for our own glory, not for our own cause, but for the cause of Christ. If we want to be his disciple, then we will be what we're created. We will do what we're created to do. And we will bear much fruit. How much fruit are you bearing? Fruit comes in all types of forms and varieties. Sometimes we get disappointed because we don't see. We plant trees and we don't see all the fruit come to fruition. Now, now know this evening. And, and, and know that just because you don't always see the evidence of the fruit that you have planted. Doesn't mean that it isn't there. And that's another talk for another time. But we should bear much fruit. Sometimes, sometimes I just... I think that a lot of people feel like the Lord expects too much of them. You know, kids feel that way sometimes. I remember feeling that way as a kid. 
where mom and dad, they'd leave a laundry list of things for us to do today. And I'm going to keep coming back to this illustration because I wasn't a great kid, as you will find out. But they would put me a, a list of things together to do for the day whenever they were going to be gone. And I remember a lot of times feeling like, well, what are they doing? <laughs> Not thinking that, well, they're off earning a living so I can eat, you know, and have clothes and, and things like that. But I, I think, well, I look at how long this is. How do they expect me to get all this done? And, and it never crossed my mind. They knew what they were doing when they were putting that list together. And God is the same way for you and I. I. Sometimes, like Moses, felt that the task was unreasonable for what he could do, but God knows what you're capable of. I'll, I'll, I'll draw your mind back to the, the illustration of the parable of the hearts of the sowers, or the parable of the talents, I'm sorry, Matthew 25. It said, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, another two, and another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway he took his journey. I'll, I'll tell you, God is not that parent or that boss who doesn't understand what you're capable of and just overloads you. That's not who he is. What God does as your creator is he knows exactly what you're capable of. And that's what's put on your plate. And as he creates you with your different talents and abilities, he knows what you can do. So, brothers and sisters, if you ever feel burdened down, don't, don't for a minute think that there's too much there. There might be a lot, and it may be a heavy weight at times. Sometimes, I'll tell you, we're better at helping other people bear their burdens than allowing other people to help us bear ours. Sometimes you may have to have someone else help you bear some of those burdens. But all the different ways that God knows what you can bear, he's never going to put more on your plate than what you can handle God knows who you are, and he knows what you're capable of. And so the amount of fruit that God expects you to bear is directly related to him knowing exactly who you are. Bear much fruit, because God has an expectation from you to do what you can do. That story, we won't read in it for time's sake this afternoon, but that story, it talks about two, two individuals here where they took the talents that were given to them, the money, and they made an investment the man with five, the man with two, they went and they made an investment and they brought returns on that. And, and I've heard it said before financially that, you know, you don't ever have 100% return. And you're not always getting returns. Not every investment you make is going to come back as a gain. Sometimes you take a loss. Sometimes you take a hit. Sometimes as we keep growing and working and trying, we're, we're not going to bear as much fruit. But we just keep planting and we keep sowing and we keep trying to bear more fruit so that eventually we can give God to him what is due. You know, God rewarded those men, those individuals in that story, didn't he? As they went out there and they were not afraid and, and they sowed and they were diligent and they were zealous and they bore much fruit, he came back and he said, well done. And the sad thing is, as he came back to the last one who went and dug and dug a hole in the earth and he hid that talent, he said, you know, you wicked and lazy servant, I had expectations for you. And we hear all the time, we don't want to be the one who hears a wicked and slothful servant, you know, and be cast into outer darkness. We want to be the one who fulfills um, the expectation that God has left for us when it comes to doing good works. I, I, I don't know, we, we need to be purposeful with the way that we live. I guess that's kind of what it boils down to. The men in this story who were diligent and they were zealous, they got to work. They put it to work, and they had an understanding that someday the master's going to come back and I'm going to be held accountable. And we live in a world of people who don't recognize that accountability. You know, that, I don't know, it's so strange the way that they'll take something that should be um, a very serious matter and turn it into 
something that is frivolous. For instance, the idea of you only live once. And people use this, and I guess it's even become like hashtags and acronyms and you know, song titles and stuff like that. YOLO, you know, the kids all saying that. So that's what I heard. Maybe that's a couple years ago, but um, you only live once ought to be a cry for you and I to, to do the best that we can in this life. But for so many people, it's this call to just do whatever you want in this life. Not recognizing the consequence if the Lord returns and, and life is over. You know, you and I, we, we need to wake up. We need to understand that, that we need to have a regard for the time that we're given because this time will come to an end. Not only does he know what we're capable of, he has an expectation that when he comes back, we'll be prepared with much fruit. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 2, he says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they will not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light, the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but watch and be sober. You ever, I don't know, this is another thing as a kid I would do, is they would give us that list, and they'd say, we'll be home at such and such time. Generally, you knew exactly what time they're going to be home, and you knew what you had to do, and you didn't go do that work right away. Uh, or I didn't. A lot of times what me and my brother would do is we would run off and go fishing, you know, for the day. The river was just down the hill from where we live. I'd go off and go fishing or, or we'd go outside and do all kinds of other things. And then I would think I've got plenty of time to do this. I've got plenty of time to do this. And the day would, would go on and, and all of a sudden we'd look way off down the highway and here come a little... A little tan Ford Ranger pickup, and I knew Dad was coming home. And you know what we did then? We'd race in, and we'd try to get done four or five hours of work in, you know, the three minutes he's about to get home. It just don't work. You can't get all of that done in that short amount of time. But that's how you act as kids. And, and you think, I got time, I got time, I got time, I'll do it. And we tell ourselves, well, I'll do more later. Uh, whenever it's less busy at work, then I'll spend more time visiting the sick and the widows. Well, when I, get, when I get a little bit more freedom, when I get a little bit more money, when I get a little bit more skill, when I get a little bit more knowledge, sometime I will do better. And I think there's a world full of people who intend to do and who intend to bear fruit. And we intend and we intend and we intend and then the day and the life just slips away from us and all of a sudden, ta-da, daddy's home. And it's time for a reckoning. And that's never fun. I wonder what it was like. I just wonder how scary it was the day that God shut Noah and his family into the ark. Because the world was not without warning at that point. Do you remember that he was a preacher of righteousness for approximately 120 years, the Bible tells us. They knew what was coming. They were warned about what was coming. I don't know, maybe they just flat out didn't believe it was coming, so they lived like they, like they wanted to live. And for, for many of us, it's like what was said earlier by Brother Matt, we've got to make sure we believe and make sure it's important enough for us to do it. But I wonder if there were some out there who thought, yeah, it's probably going to happen, I'm going to do better. And then the day that the raindrops started falling, I wondered if they ran, they ran for that ark, and they beat on that door, and they begged to be let in. But it was too late. Brothers and sisters, don't let the end of your life, don't let the end of this life 
find you unprepared. We're getting, we've been being warned since we were small. Since we were young, we're hearing the words of the Lord taught to us by our parents and by our friends, by the Bible, saying that there's just only a limited amount of time. So we need to make the best of that time. In Ephesians 5, he said, Awake if you're sleeping. Arise from the dead and Christ give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The will of the Lord is, is that we keep our head in the swivel and realize what's important now. So that we're not blindsided by life. We're not blindsided by the end. Make the most of the time you have because you're not getting any back. I remember as people used to tell me over and over and over about how fast time goes when you have kids. And, 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 I, and I remember going, yeah, I, I imagine that it does. I did not disbelieve them. I mean, I just thought, yeah, I'm sure that it does. And there's nothing that prepares you. There is nothing that can prepare you for how 11 years, how it can slip by so quickly. And there's nothing compare you how, how just 13 years of my marriage has just slipped by just that fast. And, and I don't want to think about it. You know, no one's giving me any hope for the future because they say, well, just wait. It goes even faster the older you get. I mean, no one's giving you any hope. And I bet it does. I know how fast the last little bit is getting. I know how fast the last 33 seem to have slipped by. So we got to be diligent with the time that we have. I'm not getting any more. I, I heard somebody's making some land over in, you know, the tropics of Asia, shooting some sand up, making new islands. So maybe we can make new dry land. But I'll tell you, of all the things that we can make and create in this world, we cannot create time. When it's gone, it's gone. The wise man, Solomon, said that, uh, he said, there's no work nor labor in the grave where you go. All we have is right now, so redeem that time. Make good on what God has given you. He's given you this extra life, this opportunity for eternity. He's created you with the abilities to do good things in his name for his kingdom. So don't let this life slip by thinking, I will. I will, I will, only to wake up one day and know that I haven't. Be diligent with the time that you have. You know, he tells us in Matthew 6 and 33, probably one of the most commonly recited words in, or scriptures in religion, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I, I bet most of religion can recite this passage in some form or another, in some version or another. And, and we understand what he's saying is to put him first. And everybody says, oh, yeah, we got to seek the kingdom first. And everything, we got to put him first. We got to do that. Oh, yeah, seek the kingdom first. Except for whenever there's a ball game on TV, seek the kingdom first. Unless that there's, there's family in town, seek the kingdom first. Unless there's something else I'd rather be doing or need to be doing or, or things like that. No, don't get me wrong. There are times we've got to take care of business. I understand that. But listen, are we really putting the kingdom first? Am I putting the kingdom before me and my feelings at times? Am I putting the kingdom before my family? Am I putting the kingdom before... What, am I, what are you putting before the kingdom? That's the question to ask because as God created us to do good things, He said, I don't just want it in, in your time and in your season. I want it on my time and in my season. Put it first. And so often God is the last thought. It's too easy to wake up each day and to think, about all the things you've got to do that day. Sometimes it just weighs on you, you know? You may have a busy day plan. It may be a stressful time at work. 
and we're lining up all the things we got to do and, and we do need to be organized we're probably more productive that way but is God in our thoughts and organizing what we'll do for him at the beginning of that day or the middle of that day or we wait until the end of the day when we get to the end of the day and we go oh my goodness I, I, I didn't even read today I, I didn't even pray today where is he? Is he first then throughout the beginning of my day or the middle of my day? Proverbs 3 and 9, he said, All Lord of thy substance with the first fruits of all that increase. And this harkened back to the time whenever they were, they were giving a tithe or they were taxed essentially uh, by the Lord for the Levite tribe and also for offerings to God. And, and what they were supposed to do is the first fruits was the very, the very first ear of corn out of the field. The very first of those calves or those lambs that was ready for sacrifice, the best the best that they had, the very first ones, they said, that's the one that you take to sacrifice. You know, but Israel, they stopped doing that so often. And they remember that they started giving the halt and the blind and the lame and the sickly. That's what they were giving for sacrifice. They were keeping the best for themselves. They were fat and they were happy and they were dwelling in their sealed homes and the temple light in ruin and they weren't giving the right sacrifices because they were keeping all best for themselves. And God said, you think I want this? I don't want this type of sacrifice. I'm not about the seconds in life. I deserve the first, and doesn't he? doesn't he? Doesn't he deserve the best and the first? Or does he deserve the last few minutes of my day as I get a quick prayer in before I shut my eyes to rest before I go fight the world again? I'll tell you, that's not a productive life. I know that much. That's not a life where we can sit back and trust in him to see us through our situations and our problems because, I mean, he just don't have a lot of place in our life. And, and I can't imagine it's a place where God is, is feeling very honored because we're not putting him first. The type of people he's called us to be with first fruits are the ones who are looking for opportunity to do, that they're planning to do, and then they're executing what they've planned to do. And for you and I, we need to make a game plan. What can you do for God's kingdom? What can you do to bring to the table for him? What can you do to show God that I have thought about what I want to give you and I am going to give this to you before I give to anything else? What have you decided to sacrifice for God? So, sometimes we've got to sacrifice something. I've heard it said that sacrifice hurts, you know. That sacrifice is something that hurts to some extent or another. And, and for you and I, I cannot think of anything else that hurts more today. And now, a lot of us are not raising, some of us have got cows or, or some livestock or things like that. And, and we're not necessarily thinking about which one of those cows we're going to give up for God right away. I don't know, maybe, maybe in some way. You, maybe you're doing cows for Christ or something like that, which is a worthy cause. You're thinking about animal sacrifice in that sense. Maybe that hurts a little bit in a good way. But, but the thing I think that hurts the most for us nowadays to sacrifice is time. And that's what I hear from, from Christians and out of my own mouth at times. I'm just too busy. I'm just too busy. I just got too many things going. I just don't have enough time. Again, they're not making any more of it. So what it comes down to is what we're willing to budget. Uh, probably a lot of, I know there's a handful of financially uh, minded people in here, people who your career has, has in part been in, um, 
surrounding the business world. And for any of us who have a home, we sit down and, and hopefully you're wise and you, you make a budget of sense to see how you can live. And one of the things that any conservative knows as they talk all the time about balancing the budget is that you've got to make cuts. If you want to have a balanced budget, you have to make cuts. And you sit down and you look at your budget and you say, okay, these are the things that I have to have. These are the things that we need to live. And this is how much all of this costs. And this is how much we're taking in. And you know, we're not taking up in as much as what we're spending. So we got to make a cut somewhere. We got to make a cut somewhere in Christianity. If you're not being able to do the things you know you need to do, to use that talent to serve him zealously or to bear much fruit, you've got to make a cut somewhere. Make the cut, though. Make the cut. I watch families who live in chaos sometimes, just live in chaos, trying to do every single thing that life tells them or that America tells them that they have got to do to be a happy all-American family. Make a cut and give some of that to God. You, you may be even happier. As you do these fulfilling and, and life-fulfilling things for God. And that's not a question. That's, that budget cut isn't up for me to make for you or for you to make for me. But we have to decide what is the substance? What is the first fruits of my substance that I'm going to sacrifice to God? That's what he's looking for. What have you given to him lately? Have you honored him with your best? I want you to remember that you're important. We, we, we struck on that a little bit earlier whenever we talked about God being a God who doesn't just pile things on our plate without regard to whether or not we can handle it and about he knows what we're capable of. I'll tell you, it, it should mean something to us to know that God, as he designed his kingdom, as he designed this congregation, is that he looks at you as an individual and he places you into the church as it pleases him. We talk about Romans 12 often and he says not all members have the same office. He further down in verse 6, he says that we have gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. And he places in the church as it pleases him. I think we, we talked about that earlier this week. God looks at each and every one of us and he says you can each fulfill a function and a purpose in the kingdom. What purpose and function do you feel? I think for a lot of people, they, they spend a lot of their life looking. Looking for what, what can I do? And instead of looking alone, one of the suggestions I would make, and, and I make it often to people, is, is talk to your leadership. Talk to your leadership and ask them, what is it that I can do? What is it that I haven't been doing? What is it that I could give that would benefit the kingdom or benefit the congregation? And, and I guarantee you, of all the things that, that shepherds face, I, from what I hear from a lot of them, the frustrating thing is, is that many people bring a lot of things to them, but the problem is a lot of those things are the the problems. And if you go to a shepherd and you say, I want to be a solution, I want to help, I want to do, I mean, that's got to feel good. To have someone come to you not laying another problem on your plate, but going, I, I want to do something. Can you help me to do? And I think that we need to look and we need to figure out what do I bring to the table? Because you're important in the kingdom. Sometimes I don't feel important though. And maybe you don't either. And sometimes it's not because you're just sitting there thinking about, oh, poor you, and woe is me, and how bad the world is. But sometimes we get to looking at all the people around us and at how talented they are and the things they're doing. And I go, man, I wish I, I, wish I could be like that. I wish I had that skill or that talent because they're so talented, and I wish I could be more like that. In Luke 7, verse 30, uh, 
37, you see a situation where a woman came in uh, to the house and, and she knew that Jesus sat there and she brought an alabaster box of ointment and she stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and she wiped them with the hairs of her head and she kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. You know what? There was a couple people there that thought that this was a pretty worthless endeavor, didn't they? I mean, they said, what is she doing? She's wasting, we could have done something good with this. Something that actually meant something. Instead of her sitting here wasting this on your feet and on you, uh, we could have fed a lot of homeless people. And they didn't see the significance in it. Was it insignificant what she brought to the table? Was it insignificant what she was doing as she served someone else? I would submit to thee it wasn't, but sometimes we, we look and we compare and we rate one thing versus another, and I want to ask you, is this less important than the next thing that we're going to look at? you got a couple people who the only time in the Bible I think that they're mentioned. In 2 Timothy 1 and 5, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother Lois and the mother Eunice, I'm persuaded it's in thee also. He's just talking about a mom and a grandma and what they did. What did they do? Did they go write books? Did they go change universities? Did they, they make some scientific discovery? Did they baptize millions? It doesn't say that. But what they did is they raised one boy to have a real faith in God. If they did nothing else, they did that. Is that insignificant? Is it greater than the last one? Is it less than the last one? We live in a world where, I mean, I'll tell you, I think mamas are under attack, just to be honest with you. That to be a mom and raising your children, that, that that's not a... But that's not a fulfilling work, and that's not as important of a work as having another career, and, and we're not getting off into that. But I'll tell you, this is an important work. To be a mother or to be a dad in the kingdom of God and, and to train a child to have, not, not to just share in your faith, not to just be someone who goes to church because mom and dad go to church and it would rock the boat of the family, but to, to raise up a child that really has a heartfelt bond with God and serves him because he is their God. That is not small. So whose talent is greater? Are, are these people's talent any, any less than what happened in Acts 15 and verse 12? He said, The multitude kept silence and gave audience to Barnabas and to Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. I, I see people like this especially as a young man growing in the kingdom. And you watch some of these men who can speak, who do very well. The, I mean, all of the, the Pat Mannons and the Michaels and the Daves and all of these very talented, many talented men we have across the kingdom. As a young guy, it's easy for you to sit there or someone inexperienced and say, man, I mean, they, they really can lay her down, you know. And I just can't do anything like that. And I watch a lot of people not try because... They look at everyone else's ability and instead of realizing they have something that they might be able to, to do better in if they put work into it or train or even realizing that they have something they can bring to the table, they're so consumed by how it's not as good as what somebody else does. And the truth is it's all important. I, I mean, Paul and Barnabas, I guess, the way I read it here is whenever they talk that that they could have these multitudes of people just sitting on the edge of their seat. And I just try to keep people awake after potlucks, you know? <laughs> Pretty good to do that. If, feel good if I get to do that. We've got to stop comparing. We've got to stop comparing. You've got to understand that the one who forgave you of your sins also believes that what you have, the talent that he's endowed you with, is important. 
And it needs to be used. Are you using your abilities? Uh, we just got to get in there and do. It's important. We, I mean, we're not, you know, I, I'll tease around with Ellen and you know, sometimes whenever she'll ask if I'll like clean off the table or something and, and I'll say, oh, you don't, you want me doing that? I just, I just make a mess of that. And she said, oh, you would make a bigger mess with a clean dish rag of the table that is already a mess, you know? <laughs> and that's how we act sometimes about church work and doing good works is we think, well, I'll just let all these people do their thing. I don't want to get in the way, you know, I don't want to mess things up. You're not going to mess anything up. Do what you can do. Do it for the Lord. Do it with love. Do it. You're not going to mess stuff up. He's going to be pleased with you. Don't be afraid. You know, sometimes as we watch those people who are talented certain things, because uh, I'll be honest, we're, we are, God is a talented people. They are. Let's just recognize that. And there are incredible people in the kingdom. There, there are people who have done, I mean, they may not seem like significant things, and you know, I've told this before, I'll tell it again, it'll probably embarrass him to some extent. A lot of people think about um, the abilities that I mentioned Pat Manon has and his speaking abilities. And I'll tell you, I, I love to hear Pat speak and all those things, but one of the things that makes me love him the most is it's not about his sermons, it's about the impact he had in my dad's life. And about how my dad is, is a good man in a lot of ways, but um, I, I believe that that Pat Manning, by spending time and energy on him years ago, that he made my dad feel important, which I believe motivated him to be a more spiritual man just because Pat was friendly to him. It wasn't about a sermon. And that impact that he had to make someone feel important and empowered and do more in the kingdom, I think what we need to do is not sit there and say, I, I can't be like that. But we need to find some way to figure out how did you get there. Sometimes I watch some of these people walk into hospital rooms. And, and I'll tell you, I just feel, I, I don't know what to say. I'm worried. I, I'm worried about what I'm going to say sometimes. Because, I, mean, I mean, you hear me. I just talk. You know, I'm doing it right now. I just talk. And, and I'm worried sometimes about what's going to come out. And I watch some people who walk in, and they know what to say, and they know what not to say and they know when to say it and what, when not to say it and sometimes it is just a work of art watching the way that people in their tender love and care and ability could just make people feel cared for and instead of us shrinking back because of all the greatness that other people have we need to figure out how that we can do more with what we can do we need to figure out how we can grow your work is important, and you need to not withhold it from this world and from your congregation. Do what you can do, and then grow. Expand your abilities. We've read the scripture over and over this weekend. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration to God. It's profitable for doctrine and for reproof and correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I'll tell you this. So many times, instead of growing into our work, we say, well, I just can't do that. We'd say, well, I just can't make hospital visits. That's not me. I don't know. Maybe that, that may not be the area where you are a savant in it. And it may not be the, the strongest area of your service to God. But I bet, I bet with practice and with help and, and with thoughtfulness that you could get better at that. That I should get better at that. 
Uh, maybe, maybe men speaking isn't your forte and it's not the best area for you. And, and maybe it's not your area at all, but I know there's something else you could do. That's not the end of the world. That's not the end of all that is being fruitful. Maybe you feel like you can't do a Bible study, ladies, but you might be able to grow and, and be able to learn and grow in those abilities. That's what the Word of God is for. Because for you and I, we can't allow our fears and our distrust of our own abilities to hinder us from going out and doing. What we need to say is, you know what? God said, I'll equip you for works. And as he created you, he's going to equip you. And maybe you're scared, and maybe you're worried, and maybe you're nervous. It takes practice. It takes help. It takes study. It takes investment. But I guarantee you this, however small you might feel like your talent is today, whether you're just making seven little plums, you can do more than that at some point if you put the work into it. If you let the Lord invest in you, and if you let Him work in your life through His Word, if you let those who are more skilled and exercised in discerning good and evil, if you let those mature Christians work in your life, talk to them. You want to know how to better talk to somebody at a hospital? Go talk to the people who are good at it. You want to get better at a lesson? Sit down with the ones who give lessons and say, can you help me? You want to get better at doing a Bible study? Or you just want to learn how to do it for the first time? Get with someone who you know can do those things and ask them how to do it. Any of those things, anything, in the kingdom, let's pursue a way to grow in our abilities. I think that there is a lot of people, and I say this is an I think thing, and I'm willing to bet on it, not in an unrighteous way, you know, we're not talking money here, but I'm willing to bet that there is a lot of people who will never realize their full potential, not because they're not capable, not because they're not talented, but because they don't seek to continue to grow. And that's what we have to do. Seek to continue to grow. Everything that God has made you capable of, He can furnish you for all of those good works. You can expand your abilities. Second Peter 1, verse 8 through 10, He says, For if these things be in you, and they abound, they make that you will neither be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and your election sure if you do these things, you will never fall. I mean, that's what we want to know, right? We, we, our, our intention is to make it to heaven. We, we want to be there with the Lord someday. We want to be sure of that. And he said, if you want to make sure you don't fall, what do you do? And this comes on the heels of saying, you add to your faith this, and you add to your patience this, and you add temperance to this, and, and you add brotherly kindness. And he said, you just keep adding all of these things. And he said, if you keep adding and if you keep growing, what you will never be is an unfruitful individual. And that's what you and I have to do. We have to keep moving forward and growing. There is no plateau in Christianity. If you, uh, there is no plateau. I mean, you're either growing and continuing to be fruitful and increasing in fruitfulness, or you're backsliding, much like what Israel did. And so he said, you keep adding all of these things, and you'll never be barren and unfruitful. Continue to grow for fruitfulness sake. Continue to go because you want to continue to show God how grateful you are. Grateful people give back. Hebrews 6, verses 10 through 11, he says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you have showed towards his name, but that you have ministered the saints and minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. I, I'll tell you, sometimes I'm a, as a dad, I'm, I'm kind of sorry. You know, 
Um, I don't hope you haven't done this before, but there are times where I have promised my kids a reward for a job well done and then forgotten to reward them. You know, and I try not to do that, and I, I try to make up for that whenever I, in my lack of paying attention, I mean, and not fulfilling a promise, try to make up for that. But I'll tell you, God is not like that. Sometimes in life, for Christians, we can feel like we're, I don't like, it's a thankless life. I think that about moms sometimes. Let's talk about being a mom. I know that as a mom and as a wife sometimes, as I understand it, that because people will continue to throw the dirty clothes on the floor instead of the hamper, that you feel like no one cares that you're taking care of everyone's dirty laundry all the time, that because people aren't making it to the dinner table as soon as it is hot and ready, that that you feel like no one appreciates what you went through that day to get that meal on the table, that, that day in and day out you're caring for and you're doing, and it can seem like a thankless job and there's not a lot of appreciation. And as a Christian, I think that sometimes we can feel the same way. It gets wearisome. Sometimes it gets wearisome. That's why he says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we'll reap if we faint not, because we get weary and tired of doing the same thing over and over again, and we wonder, is it worth it? A lot of Christians, I hear them, that they throw up their hands and go, this isn't worth it. I just can't keep on doing this for nothing. And we have to remember, you've got to remember, that being zealous of good works isn't about the payoff here. It's, it's not about the reward now. And and I dare say, if we're in a congregation that's supportive, it won't be a thankless job. That the reward and, and the praise, that it gets thrown around and shared around, and you'll feel the appreciation for what you do. But, but even, even if you're weary and you're tired and you're wondering if it's all worth it, remember that God is not a sorry dad like Leader. That he's the one who makes promises and he keeps them. And he said... I'm going to make the rest great. And to know that whatever thankless labor you put in now, he said, I'll reward you openly. He said that my, my burden is light. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. And that's exactly what he'll do. And so if you're worn out and you're tired, maybe you've been zealous and you have burnt for him and, and you've desired to continue doing to bear much fruit, but you're just feeling worn out. Let's find a way to rekindle the fire. Let's find a way to, to light that zeal, that burning zeal to do for him again because he wants to reward you, but you have to continue to be fervent until the end. And Titus 2 once again, he said that Christ gave himself for us, that he could redeem us from iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people's zealous good work. And I ask you this evening, are you this people? You've received the forgiveness of sins, but are you this peculiar people who is zealous of good works? Are you committed to that? If you need help recommitting, Recommitting with zeal to the works of the kingdom. If you need help to, to continue to become that, that person that God created you to be, who is zealous of good works, we want to help you. And if there's anything we can do for you of a spiritual nature this evening, please let us know while we sing this last song.